Okay, welcome, folks, to the very first Duke Basketball Report podcast. I'm going to admit that this is actually not our first. We did one a couple weeks ago sort of as a test, so we should be really polished and excellent by now. Either that or we won't be. Uh, I'm your host this week. I'm Jason Evans. Um, Anyone who reads the DBR bulletin board uh, knows who I am because I write stuff there way, 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 way too often. Um, I went to Duke from 1985 to 1989 and have been a fan uh, ever since then for sure. Um, I was friends with lots of the ball players when I was at, at Duke and um, have kept up with some of them even to this day um, and follow Duke religiously. And let me uh, let me have my other co-hosts introduce themselves as well. Donald, why don't you get things started? Hey, what's going on, world? I'm Donald Wine on the board. I go by Blazing DW, and you can also find me uh, in other places like Twitter and uh, SV Nation on the, inter- in the Twitterverse uh, with that. Um, I am a former Duke headline monitor and graduated from Duke in 2004. Um, I don't post nearly as much as Jason does, but very few are. But that's a that's a, a record that I just attempt to keep up with, but he's so awesome at it, I just can't do it. But uh, it's been great to be on the boards, and it's going to be great being on the ride with uh, you guys. Sam, your turn. And by the way, Sam had asked me to announce the date of this podcast. We're recording this on Sunday, December 6th. Okay, Sam, now tell us about yourself. Um, I think it's Saturday, and good morning, Jason and Donald. I am Sam Klein. On the uh, DBR forum, I go by the username Dev11, which is a clever play on the fact that I graduated from Duke in 2011. Uh, I worked for one year as a Duke mascot. I worked two years as an equipment manager for the football team. Uh, I am an avid Duke sports fan, and I don't post nearly as much as Jason or Donald on the forums. Um, but I think that when I contribute, I, I really contribute a lot. So I'm I'm really excited to be a part of this project, and uh, I hope we get some some awesome, cool, interesting guests on with us, uh, so that people don't only get to listen to our blather. Yes, that would be a good thing. And thanks for correcting me on the day of the week. Of we're recording this. We're recording this in the morning, and I'm still tired. <laughs> uh, okay, guys, let's get to our first topic. Um, uh, seeing as we've introduced ourselves, and I think it sort of has to be that Wisconsin game, doesn't it? Uh, anyone want to tell oh, yeah. me what they loved? What did you love the most about that game? <laughs> Sam, get us started. Uh, sure. Obviously, there were lots of things to enjoy about the game. Um, I really enjoyed. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the the main story that we're gonna that comes out the most, and that the national media is gonna latch onto, is Tyus Jones and his incredible performance. Um, but I really, really liked Rashid Suleiman's performance in this game. Uh, he's been coming off the bench this year, and that's been a little bit of a change for him. And I was concerned uh, that he and also, uh, to some extent, Quinn Cook were going to be, uh, were going to find it challenging to transition to their new roles, um, deferring to the, to the freshmen on the team who are maybe a little bit more talented than they are. Um, but Rashid played awesome in this game. On, uh, on Wednesday, uh, he made a lot of key shots. He, he looked really focused on defense. Um, and after the game, I think uh, a few people on the forum pointed out that in his uh, post-game uh, interview with Blue Devil, not Blue Devil Nation, with uh, just with the Blue Devil Network, um, that he, he made a lot of points about how he was proud of the team and proud of their effort and especially proud of, of Tyus and the young guys. Um, so I'm I'm really happy about Rashid's performance and especially the way that it fits into the uh, to the overall team performance. Donald, you got anything to add to those wonderful comments? No, I, yeah, I think the you know the the team play has been really spectacular the first few games, but you could really see everybody coming together 
uh, in a hostile environment. And, you know, it was a really good game uh, between two great teams on Wednesday night. And, you know, I just love how Quinn and the Mayo are so, you know, so far exhibiting great leadership along the team. They're, they're uh, keeping the, uh, the freshmen focused. And the freshmen are playing without fear. That's something that, you know, a big environment, you know, a big hostile environment on the road, um, something that, you know, Duke fans like to say we don't experience a lot. Those guys handle themselves very well, and I think that bodes well for the rest of the season. I think I read a stat somewhere that each time um, that Duke has beaten a road team in the top five, uh, a team on the road in the top five, uh, we have advanced to the national championship game. So while I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, um, but th- this is the type of game that you need if you're going to advance that far in the, during the season. You, you haven't made your Final Four reservations yet? Come on, what's wrong with you, man? Not, well, any Southwest will allow me to, but, but other than that. Where are they playing the Final <laughs> Four this year? Indianapolis. Ooh, fun. All right. <laughs> okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you that the the thing I took away from that game, and it's a reflection that I have on um, the entire season so far, uh, and I'm going to use this as a way of segueing us into, you know, just thoughts on the on the the season as we as we enter the the break. The the players are now on break for more than a week. And so uh, as we enter this, you know, natural breaking point in the season, my reflection, both from the Wisconsin game and on the season is a how well Duke is shooting and B, how well they're playing defense, which means how poorly their opponents are shooting. Uh, you know, in the Wisconsin game, we hit 65% of our shots. That's ridiculous. We're not going to do that very often, although we've done it a couple times this year. Um, Wisconsin only hit 40% of their shots, and this Wisconsin club is a very good team um, uh, sharing the ball and shooting the ball, and we held them to 40%. And when you look at Duke's season so far, as a team, we're shooting 53.9%, 54% from the field, which is a huge figure. Our opponents are shooting just 40%, including 26% from three. We're playing incredible defense. No one can hit a shot against us. So I did a little history. Guys, I went back and I looked. You know, the last time Duke held opponents to about 40% was 2010. Our opponents hit only 40.1% of their shots. What happened in 2010? We won a national title. The last time we held opponents... Yeah, last time we held opponents under 40% was in 2005, which Sheldon Williams and Shavlik Randolph were blocking more than five shots a game between the two of them in that season. So this is great defense that we're seeing. seeing. The offense, though, is like off the charts. I mean, 54%. Go go ahead. I was going to say, in the second half yesterday, we shot, uh, what, 71%, and that was 1% lower than what we shot from the free throw line all game. So it's almost like the only thing we really need to improve is our free throws. But at 71%, if we're shooting that the whole season, that's pretty good for a team. I think that would rank in the top 10 nationally. Uh, Yeah, and I'll tell you something. So we're shooting 54% from the field. The last time a Duke team shot better than 50% from the field was 1999. And we remember what a juggernaut the 99 team was. It's the team, obviously, that lost to UConn in the the finals. Um, So when you look historically at where we are at this point uh, and you compare the defense, you're comparing it to teams like 2010 that, that won the national title. And offense, you're looking at teams like 99 that was one of the great offensive teams in in NCAA history. Look, I know it's early in the season, but, I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful start. Yeah, Yeah, and I I, I was going to say about the the defense specifically in the Wisconsin game, um, 
you know, as you said, Wisconsin is a really good scoring team. They're also a really big team. And, um, you know, our, our team, I think, is, is pretty well-sized for a, for a Division One team that's competing for a national championship. Wisconsin's team is, is nearly NBA-sized. And I know that gets thrown around a lot, but I, I really think those guys are, you know, position by position, big enough to, to play their NBA counterparts. And, and we frustrated them, even though a lot of our guys are smaller than some of their guys. Um, I think we did a really good job switching, and it was really impressive, especially to see the freshmen buy into the defensive system so early in the season and against, you know, such an impressive offensive opponent because, you know, Wisconsin can score in a lot of ways, and, and we denied them in, in the game that they, that they wanted to play. I'm glad you mentioned the switching. The switching and the hedging I thought was tremendously impressive by this Duke team. And you're right. When smaller guys found themselves on bigger guys, Duke didn't allow them to to be exploited in that way. Um, Boy, that game was so much fun to watch. And like I said, I sort of wanted to segue that into reflections on everything we've seen so far this season. It's still early. We all recognize that. But uh, Donald, why don't you lead us off? You know, what's sort of been your biggest takeaway, one or two takeaways so far on the season? Uh, I think the the emergence of our freshmen, and, and not just Julio Okafor, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, and even Grayson Allen has stepped up at times so far during the season. And they are probably better than they were advertised and hyped up before the season. And they have really uh, – I've, I've loved their progression so far uh, this season. They, Like I said earlier, they exhibit no fear. They they like to close out opponents. They're, they're very scrappy. They're good. And I think, you know, they're going to be a force. And as we – progressing to the ACC season, I'd love to see how, you know, how they keep progressing uh, because them getting better is only going to make our team better. At times, they're the best, you know, players on the floor. Um, and that I say, I don't say that lightly. So I think that's going to be um, pleased with what I'm seeing so far. And I, you know, just hope it keeps going throughout the season. Sam, your turn. I think I'd first like to echo that what Donald said is, is really an impressive thing about this team. I mean, that, that comment that the freshmen were playing better than even we expected them to, I think is the case. Um, it, and it might even be that Julia Logofor is, is living up to expectations in the worst way <laughs> relative to everybody else because, I mean, he hasn't completely lit the world on fire the way that we've been told he would. Um, but he's still been one of the most impressive freshmen in the country and, and certainly of any we've seen at Duke recently. And that includes, you know, Jabari Parker last year and, and Kyrie Irving a few years before. Um but I'd like to take it in a different direction and say that the most Im- impressive thing to me has been the upperclassmen. And I, I alluded to it earlier in talking about the Wisconsin game and, and Rashid Suleiman. Um, but Rashid and Quinn and Emil Jefferson and, and Marshall Plumley, um, they've all kind of played in, they've, you know, figured out what their roles are um, and, and they, they buy into it really well. And it seems like they're helping the freshmen along really well, especially Quinn Cook and Rashid Suleiman, who, um, who I think, had the opportunity to feel the most displaced um, by by the incoming talent, and and they've really embraced it and and taken it as an opportunity to teach and and also to learn from them. Um, Rashid Suleiman obviously has a guy in Justice Winslow who's ahead of him in the rotation, who's you know a little bit more athletic and 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 probably has a higher ceiling, but you know they do a lot of the same things, I think. Um, and I think that it's good that they're playing together and they get along, and that and the same thing with with Tyus Jones and Quinn Cook. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying the experienced players on this team. I think that, you know, the most successful Duke teams in the past have had reliable senior leadership. And, you know, we talk about the, that 2010 team so much that team was successful because we had, you know, smart seniors and, and upperclassmen who were leading the charge. And, and I see that again this year, 
they may not play as prominent a role as they played in 2010, um, but they're they're really impressing me so far. Yeah, I, I, guys, I mean, you all have hit on many of the things that I would have said as well uh, about the season. I, I'll tell you one quick takeaway that I've had um, is Justice Winslow. Um, to, to me, to some extent, he's been the big surprise. If you if you you know look back on sort of where we thought the team would be. Um, you know, in September or October before they started playing games. The, the guy is so athletic and yet so skilled. I think he's a matchup nightmare at both ends of the floor for opposing teams. Uh, I, I've said to some folks that he reminds me a little bit of Corey Maggette's athleticism. If you gave him Nate James's physique, um, which is terrifying, terrifying for opponents, at least it's a joy for all of us. Uh, I, I think his ability to play the three in a you know in an NBA athlete kind of way uh, is something that has really set Duke apart a little bit. Um, but you all are right. The incredible leadership we've gotten from from the upperclassmen, from especially from Rashid and Quinn, uh, and I think uh, you know people people don't talk much about Amelie Jefferson, but um, I, it, he is a rock. He's the defensive leader inside, uh, and and just because he doesn't score, people don't talk a lot about him. But all three of those guys are are clearly showing the freshmen the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, and the result is really, really fun to watch. Okay, hey, we're going to move on. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the ACC in general because we got a chance to see, um, I don't know if everyone watched every single game in the challenge, but we got a chance to see all the ACC teams play legitimate opponents from a BCS conference from the Big Ten this week. Um, the result didn't go quite as we would have liked if those uh, – if those guys down the road, I, I just censored myself. I was going to use a, a bad word to describe them, but if those guys down the road in Chapel Hill had held up their end of the bargain, um, the ACC would have tied the Big Ten in the challenge. I think most of us had expectations the ACC would do better than that, but UNC got um, beaten by a very, very mediocre Iowa team at home, and so the ACC lost the challenge. But let's look look at the ACC in general. What what are you guys seeing so far in the conference? Uh, you know, as as we're about to embark, we're we're only a couple weeks away from really starting the conference season and being done with the preseason. I, I think we I, I, this discussion has happened in a lot of places, but I think it's important to note that the ACC seems to be in two tiers. There's the good teams and there's the bad teams. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a middle. I think probably UNC is in the middle. Um, but in, in that top group, I think you got Duke, you got Louisville, um, you got Miami and, and Virginia. Those teams look really solid early. Um, they've all gotten good wins. Uh, Louisville looked really impressive the other night against Ohio State. And, uh, and it, it's been pointed out also, I think, in a number of places that if, if we keep winning, um, Coach K gets his first crack at, at win number 1,000 at Louisville. Um, so the hype train for that game is going to be just in full swing. Um, I can't wait for some of these, for some of these big ACC matchups we got this year. And so the bottom may be bad, um, but I'm really excited about what the top of the ACC can do. I think there are maybe four or five really legitimate final four contenders in the conference and, and, and the games we play against them are, are all going to be great. Hey, Donald, before you go, um, uh, talking about the ACC, I want to jump in really quick here. I, I really see the ACC. People say the good and the bad. Um, I, I think it's in three, almost four tiers. And and I was looking at Ken Pomeroy's rankings. And I'm not going to give you the ranking of every single team in the conference, but there's a group of six teams that are all in Pomeroy's top 20. Duke, Louisville, and Virginia, by the way, who are number two, three, and four, which is ridiculous Wow. Um, from the same conference. Uh, and then UNC, Syracuse, and Miami are also in the top 20. 
Um, there's a group that's in the, you know, that, that sort of bubble NCAA team kind of range. Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, and NC State all ranked, you know, like 40, 50-ish kind of rankings. Then you get to sort of the bad part of the ACC. Um, Georgia Tech is 83, but then FSU, BC, Clemson, Wake, and Virginia Tech are all over 100. Virginia Tech is at 153, which to me is, you know, horrid. To some extent, you can say the ACC is divided into four tiers. There's the top, there's the middle, there's the bottom, and then there's Virginia Tech. Um, but I, I think it's going to create some really interesting situations in the conference where you may look back and say, hey, you know, one team had to play two or three of those top tier teams twice. Someone else got to play, you know, BC, Clemson, and Virginia Tech twice. And it could create a real artificial standings because I think the ACC is so tiered um, and, and the bottom is relatively so weak and the top is uh, top is as strong as we've seen it from the ACC in probably close to a decade. I, I agree with you guys on the tiered system. I was going to say there's the good, there's the should be good, but aren't yet the bad and then the ugly. Uh, the ugly being Virginia Tech, who the other day didn't realize what a one-on-one uh, situation was and allowed uh, Penn State to score two points off of its free throw um, without, just, without even so much as moving. But um, I, I think, you know, so far, the big surprise, in my opinion, has been Miami. Um, they have really uh, showed their greediness and, and their willingness to do whatever it takes to win a game. Um, and they're actually going to get better. They're getting uh, a couple of players back um, uh, once January hits, once the new semester starts. So they're going to be uh, really, really interesting to watch over the course of the season. And, you know, Virginia and, you know, ourselves and, and Louisville – um, I think round out that top class. I think UNC and Syracuse are kind of in that they should be good, but they're not yet phase. And Syracuse has probably been a surprise to me on the other end, or I guess a disappointment, um, because it seems like they have kind of struggled coming out the gate. And I figured that uh, with their schedule, their non-conference schedule would allow them to kind of um, get their feet under them with the new players that were coming in. Um, but that hasn't seemed to uh, uh, come through yet. But, I do think that they're going to be around come uh, ACC season. I think it will be that six that you guys mentioned, those six teams that are kind of going to run away with the rest of the uh, uh, from the rest of the pack. And as it pertains to Syracuse, I think that you know they they lost Tyler Ennis this year, and that has I think that was unexpected coming into last year. So maybe Bayheim is a little bit behind on on replacing him. Um, I mean, Bayheim's a good coach. Syracuse is going to end up being good. They just kind of have to figure out what all their roles are. Um, and, and they, you know, to their credit, they haven't had to deal with that um, a lot in the last few years, the same way that schools like Duke and, and UNC have had to. But, uh, but I, I believe in Bayheim. I think that I think Syracuse is going gonna, is gonna to find their identity and, and get better. Uh, you know, regarding Syracuse, they are still unbelievably long. Um, you're right that uh, missing a point guard, uh, we're really seeing how that affects a team in, in a really negative kind of way. But um, the length on Syracuse uh, causes problems for every single team they play. So I agree with you. I think they're going to run strong. And I also wanted to talk about Miami. Um, wow, you're, you're dead on target that, that they have been the surprise team so far. And I think they'll continue to be. Um, all credit to Jim Laranega for rebuilding that team. Remember how good they were a couple of years ago, then how bad they were last year. And we sort of knew he was going to turn it around because he brought in a lot of transfers. He, you know, he did a nice job on the recruiting trail. Miami can't go after the same kids that, 
that Duke and Syracuse and Louisville and UNC go after. Um, but Larinaga has done a really nice job of turning that program around. It, he is, he's one of the best coaches in the ACC. There's no question about it. We talk about all the guys who are Hall of Famers, you know, Patino and, and, uh, and Krzyzewski and Roy Williams uh, and Jim Beheim, But Jim Laranega stands right alongside those guys, maybe not quite on the same tier they are because he hasn't done it long enough. Miami's really lucky to have him um, heading, heading the ship down there uh, for the Hurricanes. All right, guys, um, we're going to – by the way, <laughs> did we just talk about the ACC and not talk about UNC? How, how did that happen? I don't think that they've, they've said they've done anything yet that, that's worth talking about. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, they, they have a lot of talent coming into the season. I thought that they were – maybe ranked a little bit too high in the preseason. Um, you know, they returned a really fantastic um, combo guard, I would say, in Marcus Page. Uh, but that's another team that that still has an identity to figure out. Um, they don't shoot the ball well, and and they don't they can't play the way that Roy Williams wants them to play. Um, but they have talent, so I'm I'm curious to see how that how that shapes out for Roy, especially with you know whatever distraction is going to come down the pipe. Uh, regarding the academic scandal. You know, you know, the thing I'd say about Carolina is if you, if you again, sort of look at the preseason and what were, what were people expecting from them? Who were people expecting to be really good on that team and things like that? The number of guys who you would say are exceeding expectations, playing better than we thought they would, to me, that number is exactly one. Kennedy Meeks is the only guy in that team yes, that's doing better absolutely. than I thought. There, there isn't another single guy in that team who's performing at the level we expected. Marcus Page isn't as good as we thought he'd be. I mean, the guy was touted as player of the year. He hasn't been so far. Uh, Justin Jackson was supposed to be their best freshman. He's been good, no question about it, but he hasn't lit the world on fire. Bryce Johnson was supposed to be playing to to potentially be an NBA lottery pick. Everyone was saying Bryce Johnson's going to come out and be a, you know, top 20 pick in the NBA draft. Bryce Johnson has been mediocre. Uh, Bryce Johnson isn't even consideration for all ACC third team at this point. So, uh, you know, no one on UNC is really playing well, and Roy isn't coaching them well. Um, Not calling timeout at the end of that game when they clearly didn't know what the heck they were doing and they needed a three-pointer, it's just unforgivable. Uh, And and the Carolina fans, I think, are really turning on Roy at this point. Um, Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're about to wrap things up, but we're going to do a a feature um, every week here. Um, I'm going to ask uh, you all and all our other guests as well um, for a player of the week. So don't go back and look at what we did, you know, two, three weeks ago. I want your player of the week pick this week. Um, and uh, Sam, why don't you get us started with your player of the week first? Well, I think it's a bummer that we didn't start this podcast earlier because Justice Winslow would have already wrapped up a couple of these awards. Um, but this week we're going to give it to his freshman buddy, uh, Tyus Jones, um, who had an incredible game against Wisconsin, led the team in points, rebounds, and assists, was all over the court making passes and hitting big shots. He hit those those threes in the second half that really seemed to to you know nail the uh, the coffin on uh, on Wisconsin. Um, so I, I'm going to take Tyus Jones this week as my player of the week. Donald, you're up. Uh, I'm also going to go with uh, uh, Tyus Jones for player of the week, but I want to give a special shout out to the unsung hero which I think was Matt Jones. Um, I thought his defense and I thought his uh, key shots in the second half against Wisconsin were key in helping us pull away at the end. Um, and I think that he deserves the mention of being the unsung hero because he came in and really, really performed well. Um, and I was very pleased to see that. 
Well, for me, you know, it'd be easy to pick Tyus Jones, and I don't disagree with that pick at, at all. But I'm going to go with Rashid Suleiman um, because we really thought that Rashid Suleiman was starting to disappear earlier this season. Um, there are a lot of people who are sort of saying, you know, what's up? He's not shooting a lot. Uh, you know, it felt like he, he was being relegated to a smaller and smaller role. And, and he really came out of it this week, um, not just the Wisconsin game, but the game before that. Uh, you know, he's now shooting a lot more and taking a little more of an offensive role in terms of creating. Um, and he's continuing to be an incredible leader on the defense. When he comes in the game, I feel like you see us step up the defensive pressure on the opposing team's guards. He usually takes the guy who's, uh, you know, who's the biggest challenge defensively for us in, in the backcourt, and and he neutralizes that player completely. Um, I, you know, I, I'm surprised that Rashid Suleiman didn't play as well as we thought he would early in the season because he is a, a junior now, and it's sort of time for him to be picking up his game. But the past couple games, the past week, he's shown me that he's ready to be the player we expected, ready to be perhaps perhaps the best sixth man in college basketball this year, which which I sort of think if he's not going to start, he has a chance to, to be that for Duke. And so he's my pick for player of the week this week. And that's about it, I guess, for us here on the DBR uh, Duke Basketball Report podcast, our first podcast that's going out to the public. Um, uh, I, I want to thank Donald Wine and Sam Klein for joining me today. Uh, I, I'm acting like I'm the host. They are my co-hosts. They are with me every step of the way. Um, guys, we'll, we'll be back at it in another week or so. And uh, I guess we'll be looking forward to looking ahead to uh, playing UConn. Um, that's our next sort of big game on the schedule for Duke, but not really that big a deal anymore because they just lost to Yale. Which is not good. No. No, no. Although, yeah, although Yale, you know, is one of the better teams in the Ivy. Did I really just say that? <laughs> uh, we'll see if they can challenge uh, Tommy Amaker's tough Harvard squad this year. But um, I don't think I've caught enough tape of Yale to, to really give you a, a good preview on them. Right. It's your assignment. You're on the clock looking at UConn. See if you can figure out what the heck's going on with that team. I'm going to uh, do and we'll have that. We'll have that in the podcast next week. Until then, uh, Duke fans, ACC fans, thanks so much for joining us on the uh, DBR podcast. Can you dig it? With a Bobcat Compact Excavator, you can. Up to $6,000 in rebates on select models and 0% financing for 36 months. Check us out at Bobcat of Charleston in North Charleston.